Turn to the book of Galatians tonight. Galatians chapter 1. If you have your copy of God's Word, please turn there. Galatians chapter 1. And I'm going to look at verses 1 through 12, Lord willing. On the title, uh, this is a big old title, so if you write titles down, get ready. The Emerging Perverted Gospel Church. The Emerging Perverted Gospel Church. Galatians chapter 1. And if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Galatians chapter 1, starting with verse 1. And here the Bible says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that you have, uh, have received, let him than you have received, let him be a curse. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the reading of your word tonight. I'm praying now that you'll help us as we try to preach, God, would you preach through us and for us? Lord, go out and work in the hearts of men and women tonight. Lord, may we leave from this service tonight knowing what a mighty God that we serve. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this area of the churches, notice it says the churches of Galatia. It didn't say the church of Galatia, the churches. So plural, there's several churches in this area of Galatia. Uh, that area is what we now consider modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was first inhabited by the Gauls. I'm sure everyone's familiar with uh, that uh, group of people. They were Gallo-Gratians. That's why they were called Gauls. And so that's where the name Galatia derived from. Um, on Paul's, uh, is his first missionary journey with Barnabas. He and Barnabas went over into this area and visited and established several churches. Uh, there was uh, Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And Paul had spent a lot of time teaching and preaching to these churches. They were set on the straight gospel course. They knew the truth. They knew the doctrine. They knew the theology of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was mo no mistake about it. Paul taught it. And he was there for quite a, a long time teaching this. Well, he was not only teaching, he was preaching, he was baptizing, performing some miracles. And after all of his work wrapped up, then he went back to his sending church there in Antioch. And uh, no sooner than Paul had left the area of Galatia, there was another group of people that came in there and started infiltrating all those churches that Paul had established. And these men were what we call Judaizers. You're not going to find that term in your Bible, but a Judaizer is someone who has accepted Christ but still want to live, live like a Jew. Uh, 
They want to keep living in Judaism. They want to perform all the same rituals and, and covenants and laws and all those things and yet still claim to be um, a Christian, one that uh, believes in the Lord Jesus for salvation. And so they were coming in and teaching that all these people had to keep following all their Jewish traditions and laws and covenants and of, of the Jews. Now, the Judaizers had a problem with Paul, and they were charging him with three things. When they go to these churches, after Paul had already established it, they were on, the, on good ground, good footing, and, and working and growing and building. All of a sudden, these men would come in and start teaching contrary to what Paul had taught them about the free grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they charged that Paul was not a true apostle, first of all. They wanted to tear Paul down to claim that his apostleship was not true, that he was not one of the original 12. He wasn't one that, that Jesus chose while he walked here on this earth in his earthly ministry for those three and a third years. And so he isn't possibly an, a true apostle. And so uh, Paul constantly had to battle against that because we know the Lord Jesus personally selected Paul as an apostle on that road to Damascus as he sent him. The apostle simply means someone who has been sent. And that's what the Lord did for Paul. He sent Paul. And so they claimed that he was only a, an evangelist and he taught easy believism, that all you had to do was say a few words and be, you know, uh, be, believe. He was trying to win men's approval, they would claim. And uh, you know, he was, he was opposed to the apostolic model. He didn't want to be like they, the, the true apostles were and all that. And so since Paul was not a true apostle, they asserted the gospel that he preached had not been revealed to him by God. It was his own uh, doctrine and own gospel. Well, do you know there are actually men today that will stand up behind a pulpit and tell you that Paul's gospel is different than Jesus' gospel? Do you know there's people today that absolutely hate the Apostle Paul? Do you know there's men today that rip out all the books of Paul out of the Bible and will not adhere to them? They hate Paul that much. They want to stay with the old covenant. They want to stay in that, that old tradition. And so they discount Paul. Uh, also, these Judaizers uh, about Paul, they said he set aside the law of Moses. That, oh, why? Even Jesus obeyed the law. And so the, the, the disciples, they obeyed the law. Who is Paul to come along and say that the law is no longer binding upon us? And thirdly, they charged against Paul that the gospel he preached led to loose living. You know, you've heard that saying, uh, get saved and live any old way you want to. <laughs> well, if you got saved, you don't want to live the bad way. And so you can live the way you want to when you get saved, but... Uh, they claim since he did not stress the law, uh, which they believed you had to keep, uh, and what they wanted that was to keep people in line. That was their main objective, to keep people in line. Uh, that They said his preaching led to lawless living and immoral living. And so Paul wrote this letter to the churches of Galatia to defend himself for one thing, but what he's really doing is defending the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth. And so he come up against these false accusations. And if you've studied Paul's epistles to the churches, this one is so different than the other church epistles. Uh, all the other ones, he starts out building them up and saying all these great things, and he spends a lot of time, you know, just how wonderful they are and how much he loves them and all that, but not Galatia. Uh, the churches of Galatia, I'm, talk, I'm telling you, Paul uh, is really letting them have it in this. 
And so we find the Galatians is a very different type of, of uh, epistle of Paul's. He spends the first five verses with a very cool greeting, nothing you know exciting or anything. And then on verse six, he cuts to the chase. Look at verse uh, first. Let's go ahead and read uh, verses one and two. Paul, an apostle, not of men. Notice he mentions this very first thing: not of men. He says, the, the Judaizers want to claim Paul is an apostle of man. He says, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. So he starts off immediately defending his apostleship, which he did many times, by the way. He introduced himself a lot as the apostle to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he identifies who he is, claiming full rights to be called an apostle. And like I said, you know, for an apostle to be a true one, he had to be handpicked by the Lord. And Paul was, even though they claimed he was not. Uh, of course, there was the 12 that were all handpicked, but Paul was different. Uh, and we know that he was once a brutal enemy of Christ, a brutal enemy of the church, uh, tried to destroy the church before he was saved. Uh, but when he was converted on that road to Damascus, Jesus himself appointed Paul as an apostle. So Paul is saying, I'm not an apostle by men. Nobody appointed me as one. I wasn't made by men as an apostle. I was made by Jesus Christ himself. And so this would cause a lot of grief for Paul throughout his entire ministry, actually, defending this apostleship. Now look at verses 3 through 5. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, all the niceties are out of the way now. <laughs> from here on out, things are going to get tough. I mean, Paul now is, is the Brock Lesnar uh, of the apostleship. <laughs> and so he, uh, he's going to come in here and, and get them. Uh, look at verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, you could say this is Paul's universal championship. I don't know if you all are wrestling fans, but I've always been a big wrestling fan. And so I think of terms like that, uh, him defending his, his apostleship. You know, he's in the ring. Uh, he's not going to wait for the bell to ring, by the way. This is going to be a one-pin fall, and, boy, things are going to be over with and fast. No holds barred, and Paul standing there. That word marvel that's used here in our good King James Bible, uh, it has the meaning behind it of someone who is amazed, who's stupefied, who's shocked and stunned. It's that feeling you get when your children go and do something that you've told them not to do. And they go and do it anyway. And then they come home and you are, you marvel. You're stupefied. You're amazed. You're shocked. You say, what in the world have you done? You knew better. I've taught you better. You know not to do that. And you did it anyway. I marvel that you have done this. That's what Paul's saying. I can't believe you've done this. You knew better. I taught you better. And so Paul tells them that they're following another gospel, which, which isn't even a gospel. It's not the good news. It's actually bad news. The gospel means good news. Good news. The Lord Jesus Christ came here. He died for your sins. He was buried and rose again in three days. That's the good news. These guys are teaching you bad news. This ain't a gospel. And so he tells them they're following another gospel, which isn't even a gospel. 
And, you know, the gospel is spelled out. Paul spells it out to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, here it is, died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. If anybody ever comes and asks you, what is the gospel? Say, let me tell you from 1 Corinthians here. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. Jesus Christ came here. He was crucified. He was buried. And he rose again in three days. That's the gospel. And the truth is, because he did that, you can live everlasting life. You can believe that, receive Christ as your Savior, and you can spend eternity in heaven because of it. Hey, that's good news. That's the gospel. And so uh, this other thing these Judaizers were teaching was not the good news and not a gospel. Look at verse 7. He said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Oh, just as the emergent perverted gospel church is what we're talking about here. So Paul feels so strongly about this false teaching. He's claiming that these men are perverting the truth of the gospel. Uh, uh, pervert means to do the opposite of what? The opposite of something. Uh, you've heard people called perverts. I know we don't use that word hardly anymore. Facebook will probably strike you on that. Uh, but uh, that word simply means the opposite of what's natural. And so when you call somebody that, you're calling them unnatural. And so Paul's saying what these men are doing is unnatural. It's not the truth. It's completely opposite of what the truth of the gospel is. And so they're perverting the gospel. They're making the, the journey of Christ up the cross to Mount Calvary mean nothing. They're making the shedding of his precious blood mean nothing. They're making his death, burial, and resurrection mean nothing. In fact, they're discounting the work of Christ on the cross, and, and that's a perverted idea because that is exactly what he did for us is go to that cross and die, shed his blood, and, and was buried and rose again for us. And if that's not enough, then nothing is. That's it. That's enough. That's the gospel. It's all you need. You don't need to go through the circumcision. You don't need to abstain from this meat. You don't need to only go to this place on, on the Sabbath. You don't need to do all that stuff because the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins. That law was just a shadow of things that were to come. He's came. But there's many today that want to pervert the gospel. They want to take away the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus. There's churches today that won't even say the word blood in their service. They won't offend anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. We won't say that. There's one church out in California that struck all those out of their hymn books. They've had all their hymn books redone to take the blood out of there. They don't want that mentioned. A lot of churches are taking crosses down. Well, that offends people, you know. Somebody that, do, that don't believe the same way we do could come in here and see that cross and be offended. Let them be offended. Or let them hit the door on their way out. Listen. There's many today that want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But praise God, we live under the sweet grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. These false teachers caused a lot of trouble for Paul. One example you'll find over in the book of Acts 15 and 1, where it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved, they said. What? That's not the truth of the gospel. 
that's not even in the gospel. The Lord Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm going to go die on this cross and I'm going to shed all my blood. I'm going to be buried and I'm going to raise again. And after that, you've got to, you've got to go and be circumcised before you can be saved. I don't think so. And so that's what they were doing. And no doubt these were the same men, or at least some just like them, that was had, had in, infiltrated the churches in Galatia, was causing all this trouble for everybody. And these would have been the Jews that now claim to be Christians, but still holding on to the law. And uh, either because they didn't understand the grace of God, or maybe they did understand it and didn't want didn't to accept it, and wanted to keep on going the way they were. Perhaps they were jealous of Paul and didn't want to model their ministry after Paul, so they want to defame him. And so we know that Paul defended himself against these men. Paul spends this entire epistle defending the grace of Christ. All right, now back in our text in Galatians, verse 8. And here he lays it on. He says, but though we, even includes himself, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. In verse 9, he's going to make sure they heard him. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than what you've received, let him be accursed. He wants to make sure they got it. Isn't that what you do to a kid? You tell them one time, you've got to tell them again, make sure they heard it. Hey, Junior, did you hear me? I say, hey, let somebody call your name twice, you're going to pay attention. If somebody just said, hey, Byron, I might pay attention, but if it's a hey, Byron, Byron, that's what my dad would do. <laughs> you better believe he got my attention. That's what Paul's doing. He wants to get their attention. Wake up, you people. You need to understand this. And so he said anyone that's teaching a gospel contrary than what they've already been taught, the truth of it, then let them be accursed. He even said me, even if I come in here and start teaching something different than what I've taught you before, run me out of here. May I be accursed. So that word accursed means condemned to doom, destruction, or misery. May I be a miserable a doomed, destructed person if I come in here and teach and preach something contrary to what I've already told you. May these false teachers be cast out of the church, banned from the ministry, abhorred by men. They're causing more hurt and destruction than any good that may come out of what they're trying to do. So in his epistle to the Corinthians, Paul describes these false teachers like this over in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. He says, For such are false apostles deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Friends, there's people today that want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They're teaching things contrary to God's truth of his word. They're teaching man-made, man-centered, man-contrived things. And calling that the gospel. Listen, the gospel doesn't come from man. Man never gave it. Man didn't come up with it. And man can't change it. It comes from the word of God. Paul had to drive that point on and on and on as he continued in our text. Look at verse 10, back in Galatians. For do I now persuade men or God? That's a good question. What is your motivation as a preacher, a pastor, as a teacher, as a deacon? What's your motivation? Are you trying to please men? Or you want to please God because that right there is going to lay it down to the nitty gritty. You, you're going to do one or the other. And Paul says, listen, for do I now persuade men or God? Am I wanting these brothers' approval over here? Am I wanting God's approval? Or do I seek to please men? 
For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, Paul lets them know it, man. Too many preachers today are, are men pleasers and glory seekers. They want uh, the world's applause. They want to be lifted up on a pedestal and, and celebrated. Friends, I don't care if you even know what my name is. My only job here tonight is to tell, tell you what the Bible says, not what Brother Byron says. It doesn't matter what I've got to say. What's important is what God has to say. And Paul says, am I trying to please men or am I going to please God? Because if I'm trying to please men, i got no business standing here behind the pulpit. Neither does any other man. Any man that gets behind the pulpit and teaches something contrary to this word of God needs to be run out of their own rail. If you get a man that ever comes in here and tells you, well, I know the Bible says this, but it's time to get him out of here. Run him out there on the street and tar and feather him if you have to, but get that man out of here. Listen, it's important that we understand this, that Christ died for the church. It's that important. He loves the church and he died for it. Gave his life. And so you can't please God as long as you're trying to please men. How many in here has heard of the emergent church movement? The emergent church movement. It's not a new denomination like a Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, or, or anything like that. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, it's a movement within a denomination. It starts inside a, de a denomination. Even a, a Baptist church can become, all of a sudden, an emergent church. The emergent church movement it really started back in the 70s, but it's grown stronger and stronger and stronger. And I, I place that solely on social media. The ability for people to get the message out there quick and fast and infiltrate all the, everybody's phone, everybody's TV, whatever, computer, because the message now can be pushed fast. Back in the 70s, they didn't have all that, so they had to build a little at a time. But now, here we are in 2023, and everybody's got a mobile phone in their pocket. They've got Twitter and Facebook and, and TikTok and uh, what's the others? I don't remember. But anyway, Instagram. And so emergent churches now can, can uh, build their sites and push out all their stuff, and then these kids get it, and they're passing it around. Before you know it, it's caught on. Well, what is the emergent church? Well, the emergent church is the belief that when, as culture changes, the church also must emerge with that culture. In other words, this is, this is really hypothetical and it's really out there, but this is how I can explain it. If culture suddenly dictated that you can murder your neighbor, then churches should get in that business of murdering neighbors. Now, that's a far-fetched thing, but it's, it's the same idea. If the culture dictate something, the church needs to merge with it and become part of it. And so that's what churches are doing. In other words, get rid of Grand Papa's religion. We can't stand that anymore. The world hates that religion. We don't want anything to do with it. Uh, we want to mesh with the world. You've heard that term, a melting pot? I've heard before that Knoxville's a melting pot. We have all races and all faiths and all things, and we're just one big mesh together of a melting pot. Uh, look, this emergent church, they'll throw your hymn books out in the garbage because why the world hates that. They don't want that. Uh, your King James Bible must go. We cannot stand that. The King's speech, they call it. 
your modest attire, suits, ties, dresses, get rid of those things, burn them to the ground, and, and wear as little as you've got. We just want everybody to be comfortable. And if you're comfortable wearing your pajamas to church, you just come on to church that way. We don't care. Uh, you're assembling together on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night's got to go because the world hates that. That really cuts into our sports programs and, and everything like that. So we've got to scale that back, change the day, do something else, or quit meeting or something. Uh, you've got to stop preaching 35 to 45 minutes, Brother Byron, because people can't sit that long and listen to you. Uh, it's got to be at least a 10 to 15 minute pep talk and and don't get anything anything real heavy because people just can't handle that. Uh, you got to stop speaking about all these people like the, the transgenders and the, the people that drink and live together because the world hates to hear that kind of thing. Plus, we're going to strike your social media accounts if you do. We want to hear nothing except for about God's love. That's all we want to know about, his love. Listen, friends, God is a God of love. He loves you, and he loves you no matter what. I know the message, okay? But I want you to know that God, he does expect us to be pleasing unto him. The Bible says we are to be pleasing unto the Lord. And there are certain things that happen in this culture, in this day and age that go on that is so ungodly. It has no business in the church. The church has no business dabbling in it or meshing with it. And may I say something to you, if the world hates something, I'm for it. If the world doesn't want to hear it, I'm going to preach it louder. And whatever the world hates, God loves, and I'm going to keep on doing it. Well, the emergent church movement's happening all around us. Does it draw a crowd? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It draws a crowd. It's the come-as-you-are, leave-as-you-were crowd. The emergent church has now become simply a new age movement is what it's become. Uh, the emergent church thinks that we need to blend together like one big melting pot. Uh, we should offer art, entertainment, social outreach programs, groups, getting together for social agendas. So in, instead of preaching the truth of the gospel, uh, they're preaching a social gospel. Uh, they spend more time concerned about doing good deeds than they do sharing the good news. Uh, the emergent church is on board with the world's concerns, things such as climate change, gender equality, animal rights, police brutality, immigration. They're really, 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 really concerned about these things. And so if it's on CNBC News, they're concerned with it, okay? And the list goes on and on and on. Whatever is the current social trend of the day is, these churches are creating programs around those things and groups, and so they get involved with it and jump in there with the crowd when it comes to the church. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're going to, that's their big concern. The gospel of Jesus Christ is second place, if at all. You know, we don't want to get people all, you know, down all about all that stuff, you know, somebody coming and dying and being nailed to a cross and all this. We need to worry about these immigrants coming over the, the border. And so the emergent, the emergent church is interested in bringing in special speakers, performers, artists, um, singers, uh, people of different faiths and religions. Do you know there's churches in Knoxville, Tennessee, that has a Koran and a Bible in the pew because they have an Islamic service and they have a Christian service in the same building? Well, what's wrong with that, Brother Byron? Because <laughs> the Islamic faith is not Christian. It has no business in the church. 
And so uh, the emergent church, they dabble in Gnosticism, New Age spiritualism. Instead of getting together for Bible study and prayer, what do they do? They get together and watch somebody paint. We need to get that artist in here and paint. It was so lovely. Let's watch him. Oh, we need to learn new things. That's Gnosticism, thinking that the new things that you learn, everything that you learn, that, that leads to your faith and growth and spirituality. And so they're very agnostic thinking. Uh, they recite poetry. They broaden their outlook and their outreach by including others of different faiths, different religions, uh, different beliefs. Most of these churches are filling their sanctuaries, and this is important, with all kinds of candles. Candles are very important to the emergent church and these, these new age churches. Be very leery when you go into a church and they've got tons of candles everywhere. There's a problem there. There's a, a, a different spirit there, and it's not the spirit of the Lord Jesus. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's some other spirit, but they've got to set the mood. They put these candles on and get, get all in the mood and, and uh, get all relaxed. Well, I want you to know what the Bible says. Proverbs 20 and 7 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. There's no need for us to go and gather a bunch of candles. And I'm not saying... On Christmas Eve, kind of light service, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying if you have to come in and set up and, and set a mood to have a worship service, let's burn some incense and put up some candles and lower the lights and have some music and all this stuff so we can all get in the mood. That's going on today in churches. We went to a church one time, not too far from here, and a great big church. I mean, it's been 3,000 people there that night. We were invited by somebody that just kept on and on. You need to come and see this. You're going to really like it. We go to that church, and we're standing there, and they had these big screens everywhere. It didn't have any hymn books, but it had these big screens. And they were putting the words up there, and they said, we're going to have a few traditional songs. And they did, I don't remember what it was, uh, Power of the Blood. Or they did something, one song, maybe two songs, I don't remember, <laughs> that I knew, I actually knew. And then everything changed. So all the old people, you sit down. All you religious people, sit down because we got something we need to do. All of a sudden, the lights go down. These other flashing lights start out. They've got a rock band on the stage. They drop down these things that's got all these lyrics on it. Everybody's standing there, and they're all doing this right here. And we're looking at each other like, oh, my gosh, where is the door? We need to get out of this place. Because, friends, the spirit that was going on there was not the spirit that I knew. It was not the Holy Spirit. It was a spirit, all right, a demonic spirit. And so you better watch out when you get involved with any of this stuff. Uh, the emergent church likes to throw around the word missional. No, they don't mean missionaries out on the mission field. Missional. Uh, they believe that any kind of activity where you mesh with the world is, is termed missional. Well, we're missional-minded. We... We mesh with the world. Our focus is not on the gospel. It's upon acceptance. If the world will accept us, that's what we're interested in. So we have things such as, anybody heard of this? The bar church. Anybody know where it's at? 350 feet from where I'm standing. It's on the end of your road. The bar church. The point church sets up in the bar down there. <laughs> they took over. The, this is on their Facebook page. Bar Church is back and taking over Shul's Bra Brewing Company. Experience the Point Church in the casual and fun atmosphere of their awesome beer garden. We aren't of the opinion that hope, community, and good times should be limited to the four walls of a church. 
Schul's Brawl has an array of German beers brewed on premises, a delicious German food menu, plenty of fire pits and heaters to go around. Feel free to come early and hang out. We'll kick off Bar Church officially at 7 p.m. Bring your friends and enjoy the unique experience of church at the bar. Explanation point. Listen, <laughs> if you can go into a place and you can't tell it from a church and a bar, if you don't know the difference, something's very wrong. Something is extremely wrong. There should be a striking difference between the church of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, than there is the church of the world or the bar church or the cowboy church or the fishing church or the coffee church. Pick your favorite activity, throw church behind it, and there you have it. I'm not against wearing a cowboy hat and boots. Love to do it. I'm not against fishing. Love to fish. I drink coffee all the time. But I'm not going to establish a church based off the things that I like to do, my leisure activities, and claim that it's a church. But it's not just these kind of churches that are emergent churches. Many of our local Baptist churches have now became emergent churches. They don't state it on their sign. You won't find it. So-and-so church, emergent church, you won't see that. Uh, but uh, if you go there and you realize what's going on as they mesh and they melt with anything and everything on the guise of drawing people in the seats. That is the emergent church. Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son, pastors one of the largest emergent churches in the United States. North Point Community Church in Atlanta, 34,000 members. Uh, maybe you heard on the news, Andy Stanley told his church they needed to unhitch from the Old Testament. It's no longer relevant, he, he claims. Uh, he told them that Jesus rendered the Ten Commandments null and void, issuing, issuing one new law as a replacement for everything. He said, laws such as thou shalt have no other gods before me and thou shalt not kill are no longer relevant to Christians living in the New Covenant era. My, my, my. I like old Charles Stanley. His son has done, went off the deep end. But how about let's let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible says the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The Bible says that there is no truth in the world. There is no truth in false religions. There's no truth in mysticism, Gnosticism, or New Age spiritualism. You're not going to find it. There is only truth in one person, and that is the Lord, Jesus Christ. Anything outside of that is fake, phony. It's not true. Jesus is the end-all, be-all of the church. He's the head of the church. We're the body. He's the head. It's all about him. And once church starts becoming something other than Jesus Christ, it is no longer a church. Let me end this message with what we read in our opening text. Remember Paul's words. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. What about it, friends? 
You want to go join the emergent church? This will be the worst thing you've ever done. Oh, just cherish what you have here. Cherish the truth that you know to be true. What you have learned from God's holy word. Don't let the world sway you or persuade you. Change your mind. Bend your rules or anything like that. We stick with the stuff. And that stuff is right here. God's holy word. We don't need nothing else. Nothing else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you tonight thanking you so much for the message. I, I pray, Lord, it's been helpful. God, I'm praying for these people that's been led astray by all this nonsense that's going on in this world today. Lord, I'm praying for each member of this church, God, that you'll just uh, give them, give them a, a lift in their spirit, God. Uh, let them know, God, that you're pleased with, with this church, Lord, their beliefs. And God, I pray that you keep them strong and true on the word of God. Lord, I pray the same thing for all good churches today, those that are trying, Lord, to share the gospel, stand on the word of God and preaching the truth. Help us at Porchlight Baptist Church, Lord, and thank you for all your blessings for us. Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us. God, we pray for those people that's about to congregate just down the road from us, Lord, in something called a bar church. Lord, we pray that you'll convict their heart and show them, Lord, that's not the answer. Lord, the answer is in you. Help us, Lord. Help us be the ones, Lord, to be able to, to tell them, Lord, to share the gospel. And we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory for it all. For it's these things we ask in Jesus' name. And amen. Go ahead, brother.